it's so weird. It's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's like uh-huh. something is really right. It's not like an excitement that, oh, my God, I want to do this. It's not that. It's like hmm. it fits. Like when you're playing Tetris and you have <laughs> all the lines just waiting for the four square long one. Yeah. And then it just fits in and all the lines disappear. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, uh, like it fits perfectly. Welcome, beautiful thinkers. So that's Luis Fernando Mises talking about a key point in his life when he got a new job and he really, really knew that it was going to be something good and positive for him, that it was really something that was on his path that he wanted to work on or that he was going to gain a lot from working in that job. So in this interview, Luis tells us about how he started. Well, last time I interviewed Luis, we were talking about the tragic death of his father and moving to the United States and having to do whatever work was available, even working in Starbucks, mopping floors in order to get by and and contribute to his family as a 17-year-old. In this interview, we talk about his career, how it developed from there, from working in a construction yard to being an interpreter and a translator and then a teacher, and in a sense being headhunted, invited to work at a business consultancy. So that's the story that Luis tells in this episode and the challenges along the way and how he learned so much from his boss, leading by example and asking for his input on many important decisions. So we'll get into that. Please remember to share this episode if you enjoy it. If you find something interesting in it, or maybe find somebody who's an entrepreneur who might even benefit from Luis's coaching or teaching services, teaching some entrepreneurship skills, people skills to enable the faster growing of your business. And please remember, I'm offering coaching services You can go onto the website, beautifulpodcast.com, have a look at the top there. You see where it says CBT sessions. So I'm using these techniques from cognitive behavioral therapy, asking questions to reveal parts of yourself, which may be previously hidden from view, so you can begin to work on them and improve your life. I'll tell you a bit more about that at the end of the episode. For now... Let's hear from Luis. This is a beautiful thought. I'm here with my friend Luis Fernando Mises, and he is going to tell us a story about taking responsibility, about being professional in, in the workplace and and sending a good example and being free to be vulnerable. How are you, Luis? I'm fantastic. How are you, sir? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so we, we talked about before the interview, I'm a bit, uh, little saddened by the, the passing of a, of a friend. So, but, uh, you know, we, we're here and it's, uh, it's good to be alive. 
it's good to be alive and definitely uh, shook up about that uh, a spe a specific incident. You know, still trying to process my feelings on that. Yeah, yeah. So you, you're going to tell us a story about, especially focusing around a, a particular boss that you had. So where would you like to start the story? Well, I'll, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is when I first started working with my friend Dwayne, um, I, I started as a project manager with him. And, you know, as a project manager, I have to make sure that so we're, we're leadership development consultants. So, you know, when we go to a presentation, when we go to a speech or whatever, I have to make sure that the venue is right, you know, the food, attendees, everything, you know, rentals, hotels, whatever. And we get petty cash, right? Mm -hmm. So one time I, I didn't use any of the cash at all. So I was going to turn it back in with my receipts and the cash was missing. I wow. honestly and truly did not have any idea where I left it. Wow. And, you know, I mean, who wants to lose like three or $400 worth of cash and then having to pay it back, right? Especially mm. when that was like 25. Right. So at that time, you know, I was like, I mean, I was not super like dirt poor but <laughs> that it was it would have been really hard to come up with that money at once yes so you know my face is so red and i show up with Dwayne, and i said hey i have no idea where i live this money and mm -hmm. like i was fairly new like i was mentioning but he said he looked at me and said you know what we're gonna pass it this time you know just be careful next time. And uh, next time I am going to charge you. Mm. And wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, freaking heck, what? <laughs> and, and like, I was not expecting that, right? So I was like, oh, shit. I mean, like, I, I did not know what to do. My brain was because usually, you know, in, in, in the in your normal workspace, there is no usually there's no place for forgiveness, right? Like there's, there's always gotta be some form of a disciplinary action, even though mm. what that really means is punishment. And as you and I know, mm. punishment is not the same as discipline. Mm. So I was taken aback. So part of the things that we teach is uh, servant leadership. And, and basically when people ask me, what do you do? I say, I teach people how to people. So this guy- You teach people how to what? how to people <laughs> okay you know because like okay so whenever somebody gets uh, a new role leadership you know a supervisor mm. that means that they're usually fairly good at their trade hmm. but also usually means that they're not as good as peopling right uh. like i think gallup released a report that said 51 percent of people uh quit their jobs because of their boss Right. So people don't quit their jobs, they quit their bosses. Yeah. And that's where Dwayne and I come in. So we teach people how to people, right? So every step of the organization that you go up, we teach new skills and how to, you know, uh, develop your your day to day and whatever. So mm -hmm. this guy like really exemplifies that concept of servant leadership and and not just because I did not, you know, he didn't make me pay the four hundred dollars. 
it's beyond that. It's like just the assuming of goodwill, you know, it's like, okay, hmm. I, like maybe you really lost them and you're young and I know you're not balling. So I'm going to give you a chance. I want to give you an opportunity. Hmm. So when you are working with somebody like that, that you feel they have your back, that you yeah. feel that they actually care about you and they demonstrate it, you don't have any other choice but to, you know, do the same and, and do, do the best work that you can. Right. Well, I, I, I'd say you do have a choice, but it's like when somebody sets that example, you'll, you'll be like, okay, I want to be a bit like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of interesting. So, you know, that's almost around the same time that like my entire spiritual awakening happened. Hmm. And it, it's, uh, I don't think it's like an accident. So it started like in the spiritual realm like a year later with, you know, teaching plans and whatever. Um, but it also started in the physical plane with him. And, you know, from then on, like things changed dramatically. So, you know, in the past, I would try to obviously hide my mistakes, you know, or, or you know, we always look for a, a scapegoat and, and you see it all the time on television. You know, they're always trying to be, you know, witch hunt. Even on Facebook with like the so-called liberty movement, like they're always looking for, you know, like witch hunt of some, some something or other. Because oh, yes. a lot of times people cannot stand being wrong. Mm. You know? <laughs> like it seems like it comes from when you're little and you spill the milk and you get your ass whooped because you're three years old and you can't handle a gallon jug, mm. you know? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. you're going to spill it. Instead, you know, instead of saying, hey, you spilled the milk, just clean it up, buddy. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. So, can you think about a time in the past when, when you did hide your mistakes, like in a professional context? Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's many, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm going to be honest. So, um, well, I don't know if I should say this but yeah, I, um, not you know, too honest you, but. <laughs> <laughs> you, sometimes you like i worked at a place where you had to have certain uh numbers you know of uh contact with like you know we're doing public words and things like that so mm. they ask you to do so many things like at once that it's kind of impossible and if you don't they decrease your funding, you know? So this is kind of like related to government work, right? You know, that's where government funds allowing, you know, some nonprofits to operate. And then the nonprofits are a lot of times bogus because <clears throat> the expectations are stupid. And you have no other option than to, you know, massage the numbers, you know? Okay. So... Instead of like having or allowing clear communication, um, vulnerability, and like for them to allow you to say, I don't have enough hours in the day to do this. We need to do something else, you know, or maybe you need to hire somebody else because we're all losing our shit here. And they're like, oh, we don't have enough money. So just make it work any way you can. 
What yeah, that's the, that's have? really what you don't want to hear from a boss. <laughs> Except, well, they know what happens. Yeah, they know what happens, and, and they then don't they pretend they don't. And, exactly. Yeah. So mm. if something happens and they get like you get caught, you get caught. Yes. So, you know, like, and sadly, a lot of parts in the world like they have those unrealistic expectations and. And people sometimes don't have any other choice, you know? Hmm. Yeah. They're caught in a, a difficult position, like either lose their job or be honest with their boss, but their boss doesn't want to hear the honesty or or fake it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, they kind of hint you to, or like, just do whatever you need to do. And, mm. and, and you know, that um, foment is like fomenting more corruption and, and that's not what you want so yeah. on the other side you know sometimes like well if we stay on that side so the problem here is that we're like hyper focused on the maximization of profit like the most important thing is money you know like right. is your service even necessary is your service even real a lot of people say well people are going to lose their jobs okay i mean i ended up leaving that <laughs> because you know that it's it's not you would lose your sanity you know or you would end up becoming super corrupt and i didn't really want to do that hmm. so you know like I, I i think it was robert kiyosaki i was uh i like to watch some uh, of those videos with my kids and robert kiyosaki said in one of them um Becoming an entrepreneur will either make you a crook or <laughs> a complete servant leader. You're <laughs> right. forced with, like, when you have no money, you know, and like it forces you to either produce value or you're going to end up screwing people over. Mm. And I'm like, hell yeah. I mean, I lived it. So the pressure valve would go either one way or another mm, yeah well, well i've definitely had some experiences like that thank you i used to be a door-to-door salesman and uh, there was like sometimes where i knew maybe the customer wasn't really going to benefit or you know maybe maybe they they weren't i don't know like signing up old ladies or maybe they they didn't fully understand what they were signing up to this kind of thing and i did stuff like that because I was like, well, I I need to eat, and this this is what what I'm going to do. You know, I need to please my boss. And then years later, I was working in a call center, and uh, I remember there was this lady on the phone, and I couldn't I could have like talked her into it, but I knew she was senile. She didn't understand what she she was doing, and I just didn't. I I said, okay. Ma'am, um, you know, we'll we'll leave it at that because I knew she didn't understand what was going on. And some of my superiors listened to the call later, and they they called me into the office later, and they're like, "You should have just signed her up." And I was like, "I don't know about that. Like, what what happened to unconscionable conduct?" And I didn't. I, I said okay, but I, I really didn't feel comfortable about it. I ended up leaving that job, you know, a few weeks later. So that's that's what happens. I mean, especially as a boss, if you put pressure on someone to 
go against their conscience, like <laughs> it's, it's, there's going to be a lot of problems there. There's going to be a lot of friction. Yeah, especially when like their paychecks at stake. Yeah. Right? So like, yes. you know, you, you're going to feed your kids and pay your rent. You know, that's what comes to your mind. Cause you're like, I mean, as a parent, I make sacrifices. Like sometimes I'm just going to eat fucking like bread and avocado, like not the fancy mm. avocado toast, just like an avocado torta. Like, but you know, my kids are going <laughs> to do a little bit better, you know? Um, so with that, like, yeah, they make it, really challenging and, and now i would love to interject here and say like a lot of people say well that's capitalism for you yeah, but it's mm. not you know again like it, it's a structure that has been misused because it's so freeing and liberating that you sometimes can like a dam you know you can you can make a dam and, and slow down or just cover up the, the water source and then but that, that's not necessarily what's happening here so like the actual selling of your product is not bad, but hmm. the predatory nature from these people is what was not good, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just a, the difficult thing about it, I guess, because it's a whole, it's a it's a whole system, and when you do have a a, a boss who is corrupt, it kind of trickles down through the company culture and pe people get exposed to that and people think, oh, I guess this is how business is or I guess this is this is how you have to be an employee, cut corners and, and everything and, the, and that's the impression you get of it. So it's really hard to uh, like to have a, a very moral society where, where everybody is doing their best to have integrity. Yeah. And, and that's why I think like, you know, the, the whole market as being one of the most healing things on earth because if mm. you allow yourself to make a mistake and own it like yeah but not just like okay i don't give a fuck i did it it's more like i did it mm. i will fix it i am sorry yes. you know and then do something about it and, and that's what you know Dwayne has been helping me to really integrate and and you know i wanted to um share like I've been working with him for 12 years and, and like, I make videos for him now, you know, we've, we've presented in front of the federal reserve bank, you know, with vice chair and a bunch of auditors we've presented for uh, the university of Pennsylvania, you know, with the new hospital people. And we've like the people that uh, have built, you know, a bunch of airports, you know, the, the, the architecture companies and all that so like we, i mean we've mm. done some pretty amazing work and and we are sharing a lot of these skills with people that have a lot of influence so i i think i actually get pretty excited because i feel like the future could be pretty amazing you know so one of the videos so he kind of like almost writes down things on a napkin with like a little drawing and gives it to me and then from then, <laughs> you know, I make a presentation or you know, like a video, you know, he kind of gives me the idea and I make it happen. And um, mm. he sent me an email. So I made a last video for him. I put it in Dropbox so he could see it before I posted it. And he sent me a couple of uh, edits. And I said, yeah, you know, I will make these edits with alacrity. And he, he sent me an email back saying that he was really grateful that I didn't take things personal with things that 
were different from what he had asked, you know? Hmm. And, you know, I like to, um, I have this thing where even if things are going right or if they're being challenges, I ask myself, what am I needing to learn from this? Hmm. You know, or what is life trying to tell me? So I took that a little bit deeper. And then that's when I realized that, and I told him on the message email back, I said to him, you know, that's actually mostly thanks to you because you allowed that to take place. You know, when he would make mistakes, he didn't try to look smart and blame something else. He said, he would be the first one to tell me, hey, Luis, I did this. Can you help me? What do you think we can do? So, you know, that's several levels of like amazingness. Like one, he would take responsibility. Number two, he would be the first one to address it. And then hmm. number three, he would even ask me for my opinion. Hmm. And, you know, a lot of times it's like, okay, yeah, you know, uh, I, I did it. Yeah, I'll fix it. No worries. Okay. Like there's uh, almost no um, desire to talk or bring it up. Like they're still ashamed, you know, even though they're taking responsibility. Hmm. But here's like, and, and even after, it's like we could create a new system because, you know, one of the things I learned is maybe it's not about looking for a scapegoat. Maybe mm-hmm. the mistake that is happening is because the system is pushing people to do that. Mm-hmm. So instead of looking for a scapegoat, we need to look for that uh, diversion in the system and try to fix it or change it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask uh, a few things about your your personal experience. Like, saying <clears throat> when you did uh, own up to to your mistake and losing that petty cash, what was what what did you feel when Dwayne said to you, "You know, it's it's okay. You know, I've, let's. I, I'm not going to charge you this time. It's just a mistake." What did you feel? I was not. I I did not believe it. I was like, "Wait, what?" so you're like surprised astonished even for sure and i you know at first you've lived in 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 latin cultures for a long time at first Mm. i was like you know that that's uh snarky disbelief like ah yeah right whatever Mm. (laughs) (laughs) okay um, but then, you know, I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this. So then curiosity, I was like, what is this about? Why is this different? <laughs> All right. What is that's, happening That's here? cool. Yeah. So that is like a, that's an important frame of mind because some people say that like the ability to be surprised is a sign of intelligence because it's like when you notice something different, you're like, huh, that's actually, there's something new about this or there's some, you know, something I didn't notice before or something even that I didn't know was possible. And, and that's probably an important door that can open to transformation. That's uh, actually kind of interesting for me to hear. Cause uh, <laughs> I don't mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, faking the surprise here Um, (laughs) really often um even you know my my ex would say that i'm easily surprised easily Mm. amused (laughs) because anytime that's something i'm like oh my god look at that oh my god 
you know? And <laughs> yeah. Like, life is just amusing and amazing, you know? So yeah. uh, it's just a, a never-ending, like a magician that just keeps coming out with shit, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's so many things to be fascinated by if you, if you take a look around. <laughs> so then, then after you were surprised, or what did you start thinking like? Like you thought, well, this is a really great boss, or or um, like this this is something special. What did you think about it? Well, the, I mean, I want to be really honest. Like at the very beginning, I was like, "Where is the testosterone in this?" <laughs> okay, interesting. You know, yeah, because like when we come from a real like command and control thing, showing that kind of uh, behavior could mm. mean as if you're weak mm. but you know later uh even in the breathwork training that i did late last year the mm. way that my teacher awarded that was standing in your soft leadership like you don't mm. have to display your strength to mm. be the leader you don't have to you know just growl to let people know that you're the boss. Okay. If you have to be telling the people that you're the boss, there's something wrong in there. Right. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. Yeah. At first I was like, okay, you know, cause you're expecting something more. And then, you know, I was like, oh, well shit. But, but you know, because I, I always have like this, um, I don't know, like mind frame of wanting to understand. Mm -hmm. um, so first I'm like, okay, that was weak. But then I'm like, okay, but why? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Because it's not normal. I don't, you know, it's hard to process. It's not in my uh, you know, history or whatever. Like, I mean, it is in my house with my parents, mm. right? But it's usually not out in the workplace because your mm. parents will like, you know, trust what you say and believe you. Yeah. And probably not charge you. Right. Uh, but it worked. Did, did you re lose respect for Dwayne in the moment? Or did, were you just in that state of uncertainty? Like, what does this mean? I don't think I lost respect for him. But yeah. I was like, I was really um, confused. Yeah. <laughs> and and then you know that's kind of what fueled me to try to understand uh-huh so and you went away and, and thought about it and reflected on it and you came up with a different conclusion i suppose yes i mean and that like that's something that took me years it's not something that i just went home and, and you know mm -hmm. thought about the night and then came back the next morning with the awareness like yep. this is some shit that's taken me years to uh, you know, as Jordan Peterson would say, to really embody, because hmm. you can know something in your mind, but embodying it is differently. Mm -hmm. So, um, like to get to that point where you, so because you know, like Jock Piaget, like how he explains the growth of kids. Like if if there's kids that are playing, and then you ask them. To tell you the rules of their game, they're not going to know the rules of the game. Right. They're embodying the rules of the game. Yeah. Everybody knows how to play, but they can't say it. 
Okay, and then that's different from like, uh, you know, an intellectual, you know, that just intellectually mm -hmm. knows the rules of the game, but has never fucking played the game. Mm -hmm. So the place where I, uh, like my goal is to be both intellectually and embodying the knowledge. Right. Yeah. So, you know, getting to a place where I know about it and I know how to do it. Yes. So were there other events or other things about his behavior that, that started to make it click with you? Yeah, like there was, you know, in your normal command and control plays, like I have a question or there's the bottleneck and I need him. And I'm like, so, hey, what do I do here? What do you want me to do? That was the question. What do you want me to do here? And he would never give me a straight answer. No, <laughs> okay. And that sounds that, frustrating. It does at first. And actually, it's still like, if I think about it, it annoys the shit out of me. Yeah. But, it, you know, like, after I answered those questions, I had the answer to my own question. But what okay. he was trying to do there, you know, and he... he he was helping me think as a senior consultant. He didn't want me to mm. just follow the lead of the senior consultant. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, we just continue that shit rolls downhill paradigm. Yeah. You know, just yeah. Doing and if he makes this mistake, you're just going to repeat it, which is not exactly. what he wants. He, want, he wants you to actually be independently minded. So you can correct him if he makes a mistake. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, it seems to me like knowledge is, is painful, you know? So hmm. you have to pay for it in some way or another. Um, hmm. So growth, you know, because like a little bit of you dies when you change your paradigm, when you change, you know, from one idea to the other. Because those ideas are related to your persona. So there is a little death that takes place. And that's why you don't like it. That's why people don't like being wrong, you know. But mm. when you, or like, you know, in this case, what we are promoting is not that you are right and I am wrong. It's more like, mm -hmm. what is the goal? Mm -hmm. You know, like our goal is not for you to be right and me to be wrong. Our goal is growth knowledge yeah. expansion truth beauty whatever and yeah. then if i'm wrong i will celebrate it because you're helping me not being wrong mm -hmm. that's a hugely different way of living hmm. so how did you see that that aspect in Dwayne's behavior because even though i was a 25-year-old whippersnapper and he was a 55-year-old senior consultant hmm. he the only reason well not the only reason but one of the main reasons why he hired me was because i was a like small scale consultant that i was 30 years younger than him hmm. like he wanted somebody with a different perspective that mm -hmm. was you know younger and, and just the idea of a collaboration with uh, both little D and big D diversity, mm. you know? 
Oh, what's the difference between little D and big D in diversity? So big D diversity is like outside looks, you know, like, I mean, I'm Mexican. Okay. I have brown hair, black hair, whatever. Like I'm from a different <laughs> country, you know, like I speak Spaniel. Like that, that, that's the, the big D diversity <laughs> that a lot of like fake corporate people want. Okay. But it just so happened that you, you had that as well as the diversity of thought that he was looking for. Yeah, yeah. So a little D diversity, you know, like uh, my background is really different than his. Um, hmm. my, my life experiences are really different than his. Hmm. And because like you can have people from different colors and different genders, but if they all are from the same state, you know, you're, you have hmm. no diversity. Hmm. You know, like everybody from, from, from the same socioeconomic background and that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, hmm. so like, that's why I'm so kind of like, uh, weary about big D diversity. Cause like, whoop dee doop, like, <laughs> you know, you hmm. can still have group thing there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> that's how, you know, yeah. he, he was, um, he, he would request, you know, what do you think about this? And he would actually say, from a 20-something-year-old, what does this look like? You know, mm. always seeking to grow me. And, and so, you know, even in, like, the big meetings with big people, you know, like, he'd say, well, Luis, what do you think? I'm like, you know, shitting my pants because I'm talking to, like, the president of the University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> or, you know, like, I'm in front of... Uh, this person or that person like i'm shaking my boots but <laughs> you know that that is like inviting uh uh he knew he knew this is the thing he knew that i saw things differently and he still asked for my perspective right you know because why, like why do you think he like is, is it just the fact that you saw things differently than he valued your opinion or was it something else I don't think it was just seeing it differently, but like, you know, yeah, he knew that I wasn't just going to come up with like, you know, like that mean that I saw somebody putting like American cheese slices on a tomahawk steak, <laughs> you know, like I wasn't just going to come up with some stupid different shit. Like it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you don't want that, right? The the point of that meme is that that it's it's original, but it's disgusting. Is that that what you're getting at? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. So yeah, um, he knew that I. So he did. He trusted you enough that you would actually speak your own mind. Yeah. Mm. And you know, he knew that I'm all about like self-actualization and, and you know so it's like okay and and we would also teach about like brain um science and you know la- left brain right brain and all of that and like he's really really strong left brain and mm. i'm really really strong right brain mm. so he like between the two of us we had a, an entire full brain <laughs> mm. so <laughs> so we could see uh, life differently. Sometimes when I'm presenting, uh, some left brain people would say, uh, "Dwayne, can you translate what Dwayne is, uh, what Luis is saying?" So he would talk in left brain, you know. Uh. Sometimes, when he's, you know, telling a story, 
some right brain people would ask me to explain translate in right brain so i would do it mm. so you know you're like you know neurolinguistic programming how you talk and all of that so you know we would move into mm. those waters too and it, it to me it's like we are creating community by empowering everybody instead of just follow the rules you know hmm so when you were in that meeting with the, the president of the university of pennsylvania do you remember what that conversation was about or i don't know if you can share too much even though the, yeah, the years I have mean, passed like at some point um well so they were building a new hospital that was going to be humongous the biggest one to date in that the northern part of the states and so what we were doing was uh, an alignment because it was such a big thing that they had like three different building um, companies and like architects and, and engineers. And so what, what Dwayne and I were doing was, you know, every company has their own ideology, idiosyncrasy, um, and then silos were created, us against them, this and that. So what hmm. Dwayne and I would do is we would go in and teach them skills to cooperate and dialogue skills to be able to speak the same language, so to speak. And so when when things would happen, you know, like, because having so many people, you're going to have frictions, you know? So, I mean, mm -hmm. that's just kind of like the big picture of what him and I were doing. And, I mean, at some point, you know, Kevin, the, the guy from UPenn, he said, Luis, you're like my son. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks, Kevin. So like it got to that point, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> so what, what was your, when Dwayne asked for your input about it, do you remember what, it, what you said? Um, you know, uh, teaching, um, I, I can't remember. This was like three years ago, but uh, sure. you know, so, so, you know, that, that big picture that we were, you know, teaching shit. I honestly can't remember the precise okay. situation. <laughs> That's it was, fine. Okay. Well, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. By the way, how did you get that job? Uh, like, uh, I mean, like last time I did an interview with you, I guess it, it kind of ended up where you you got to the United States and then you were working at, at Starbucks and, and this kind of thing, uh, cleaning floors, and, and uh, you had to take a bit more responsibility for your life. But then over those eight years, I imagine you had a, a lot of, career experience in it and then you know suddenly you're working for this uh, co uh consultancy firm how, how did that work uh that's a okay so um life is just funny right so <laughs> I, um i had been trying to at this point i already have a kid and you know a wife right. and like, I just need to do whatever I need to do. So I was working at a place where we did like landscaping and all that. And it was grueling. Like we were working six days a week, 13 or 14 hour days. And under the wow. sun, you know, pushing like 60 pounds at a time. So it was hard. So I was like, mm. I can do this like, you know, sustainably for a lot of time. So I looked for a job and I got on like Google jobs or no, at that time it was Yahoo jobs. <laughs> right. This is like 20 years ago. And um, so I 
I'm looking for like interpreter jobs. Cause I'm like, okay, I want something easy or easy. And mm-hmm. like that, you know, usually pays well. So I found yep. an agency and they were not paying amazingly. Actually, it was a little bit less than what I was making, but it was only 40 hours. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, 40 hours is like a part-time job. I'll do it. And, <laughs> <laughs> for this hardworking Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think, I, I think at that time, I was going to make like, like $33,000 a year. It's pretty good. No, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a wife and, and kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I made like 32, maybe. So I was like going to make probably like two or $3,000 less a year. Okay. But uh, I was going to have my Saturdays and Sundays and, and, you know, like it was like 8.30 to 5.30. So I was like, shit, dude, that's already a race. So mm. I did not know what that office was going to do. All I saw was interpreter, pays okay, Monday through Friday. Hell yeah, I'll do it. So I just showed up for the interview and I really didn't know much. And the guy was explaining to me what they did there. Hmm. So, you know, we were helping people with HIV and AIDS with low income. And my job was to interpret Hmm. uh, doctor's appointments for clients there that, you know, came from uh, Spanish speaking countries. Wow. And I was okay. like, oh, shit, this level of complexity just went up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and at some point, like, what I find funny is, like, they, part of the job, and, and they pushed me to start teaching about uh, sexually transmitted infections. So hmm. After you know, how long? Uh, like three months. Okay, wow. So I was doing interpreting and translation because those are two different things. So mm-hmm. I was like translating all the documents for the health department, Dallas Human Services into Spanish. Wow. And then like, yeah, so if anybody's in Dallas and they're like, you know, because I, I would probably translate those forms. And also for the Mexican consulate in Dallas, like I would translate some other stuff. And mm. and then, um, you know, I will do the the education part and uh so they will like throw me in front of like the mexican consulate or i will go like to jails you know to talk about hiv and aids and prevention like i would go to the wake offices all sorts of weird places so you know i had some of the roughest crowd because nobody wants to hear you there you know Mm. they don't care about condoms like i mean they probably care but they're like you know they have their own shit and and you're Mm. kind of just there in their space it's not like they're paying you mm. to go see you. You're just showing up at the WIC office, and they're like, who's this dude? Sorry, what's the, the WIC? Oh, yeah. Like, WIC is uh, here in the States is where, like, it's called a women, infant, and children. Like, where they, it's like food stamps kind of thing. Okay. Right. And so, yeah, imagine, like, you just show up to, like, some social services office and you just start talking about that you know and so anyway it was really hard um Mm. and i saw how some um well how do i say it like a lot of the clients were misusing the services okay and that really bummed me out yeah because you know sometimes they would 
just go grab their bus passes because we were given bus passes for um, their appointments. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's like a $50 monthly pass. And then mm-hmm. they will turn around and, and sell it for drugs. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, shit. And yeah. then other people will be like, oh, there was like, you know, a young guy said, hey, you know, I got a job. And then this other, you know, middle-aged to older gentleman said, why are you getting a job? Don't you get a check from the state? Mm-hmm. You know, so like the continuation of that kind of lifestyle, like really bummed me out. I was like, I need to get out of here. You know, yeah. I, I can say it's kind of set up that way, too. It's like sometimes if they get a job, they get less money. Yeah. Yeah. They're not incentivized to succeed. Yeah. So I got really bummed down. I said, I, I can save the world in a different place in a different way. So I just kind of left. Like I didn't have anything set up. I left. And around wow. that time, I had just finished my yoga certification. Oh, okay. So. I was like, okay, I want to teach yoga and teach meditation and, you know, do one-on-one self-actualization shit, whatever. Mm. That's what I was doing. And the, like, I get an email from Dwayne and he said, hey, the director of the public services office where you worked has been talking about you for hmm. a long time and i really like you know your work ethic and all you do and this and that and curious if you want to be part of my consulting firm wow but, but how did uh, he know the the director of that office ah uh, social events or whatever you know i mean dallas okay fair enough like, chamber of commerce or something yeah something like that and, and i guess <laughs> i'm like okay so like they've been talking about me wow that's yeah that's crazy funny. yeah and so now that I, you know, I mean, I had already some clients and I was doing my own thing. And he said, you know, um, you'll get to travel and you'll get to do these things and whatever. And, you know, because I've, at that time I was married and you know, had a little one. I was like, you know, but can I know, like, you know, with some notice before traveling happens? Because, you know, the kid, we're, oh, yeah, no, you'll know months in advance. I was like, oh, shit. Great. Yeah. So I went in, um, inside, deep inside of me, I knew like something inside me knew that that needed to happen. So hmm. we didn't even wait, talk. Wait, 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 I want to talk about that feeling. What is, what is that feeling like? <laughs> it's so weird. It's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's like uh-huh. something is really right. It's not like an excitement that, oh my God, I want to do this. It's not that. It's like hmm. it fits. Like when you're playing Tetris and you have <laughs> all the lines just waiting for the four square long one. Yeah. And then it just fits in and all the lines disappear. <laughs> you know? It's like, okay, uh, like it fits perfectly. Right. It's kind of, it kind of sounds like that feeling, you know, when you, <laughs> I don't know if everybody knows this, but you're probably not. Um, that feeling when you you pray for something, and then there is that moment when you know it is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what you're describing as well. It's similar. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's um, it, I just knew that I needed to continue on that round, and I said, yeah, okay, sure. You know, when when 
after like you know two or three interviews because so the first interview was with him the second one was with the other business partner and the third one was with the entire team and there were like six people total and yeah 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 we got in and i didn't even talk money like i just signed it's like yeah <laughs> and then like a day later he said we didn't even talk money did we i said nope <laughs> he said i'm so sorry <laughs> and so you know we we you know arrange things and whatever but yeah, so it was I, a good offer. I mean, at that time, and this is like 12 years ago, uh, I, I just started as a project manager, as a part-time dude, you know? Like, mm. I was not even full-time because I was still teaching yoga. And I told them, like, I'm still teaching yoga, I'm still doing this and that. So, okay, fine. So, you know, I think I we had agreed like 30 hours a week or something like that. Yeah. So, and, you know, I stayed and we increased responsibilities and, mm -hmm. you know, it, yeah, it, 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 everything worked out. Yeah, right. So what, what do you think, say, if you could name three key things that you learned from Dwayne, what do you think that would be? I, I, I think, like, um, humbleness hmm. is, is a good one. Um and, you know, there is something that I would like to um, excavate about that word because yeah. for the longest time I had, the, I had trouble with that word because I would see people that were deemed humble as hmm. talking less of themselves. Okay, yeah. And I'm like, I am not going to dim myself, you know, because... Like my oh, you life. mean in terms of, like, self-deprecation? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I see. So, you know, when people would tell them, oh, my gosh, you know, you worked so hard. It's like, oh, no, it was just luck, you know? Mm, right. Like, no. I mean, I think, like, even in the Bible, they talk about false modesty. That's what it is. That's what it sounded like to me. Hmm. But what Dwayne exemplified is not uh, – Talking less of yourself, but talking of yourself less. Okay, yeah. So, you know, you're still a badass and you're still going to shine, but you share that shine. Hmm. We all can shine together. Yeah. And, and, and to me, that's what, and what he taught me about being humble. It's like, yeah, you, we all can do this together. Now it's your turn. And yeah. then... In turn, you know, I I consciously try to do that with people that I work with. Hmm. Um, so humbleness. Um, what's another one? I mean, like the whole idea of leadership. You know, mm -hmm. he's yep. he's done that, and and that's a really deep one. Um, there's. I'm trying to just like take it down to three because that's hard. But <laughs> sure. one, of the, one of the things, and I don't know how to even say this word, but I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm super, super right brain, right? So yeah. I am really fast on my feet. Uh, you know, I can think of, you know, seven impossible things before breakfast, all that. <laughs> but I'm kind of tough with follow-up, like that's okay, a challenge, yeah. right? So what he, like, sometimes I think, what would Dwayne do? 
in mm. the sense of like, how can I use my left brain to follow up on my good intentions of my right brain? Yeah. So I created devices like I have a one meter wide calendar right above my computer so I mm. can write shit down. Mm. You know, so uh, like I, I created left brain um, strategies to really help me. Like one time mm. his computer was kind of like, I don't know, fucky. And he said, Luis, can you please look at it? It's like, I'm good with computers. So I go and look at it and I fix it boop, boop, super fast. And he's like, wait, 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 what did you do? I said, I don't know. Mm. And he said, you can't do that. You need to tell me what you did. So <laughs> right. happens, we can fix it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, instead of just like, just leave it to Beaver, like I'm good at it. And that's why I get paid the big bucks. Like, no, mm. we're going to figure out how this is done. We're going to demystify it. We're going to write it down on the yeah. paper so anybody can do it. Yeah. So that's not one word, but I owe that to him. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's like be being a little more analytical about your own behavior. Like if something works, you can go back and reflect and say, well, how, how did that work? Why did that work? What were the steps? Yeah. 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 So um, there's this list that I created that uh, it's kind of funny between him and I, that I named it in case of death or dismemberment of project manager. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's, you know, jocular, but like, yeah, if I go missing, like all those, you know, seemingly occult things, how can mm. they do them without me? And I yep. think that's one of the main issues with society that we want to hold on to the secrets, hold on to that because it gives you power. Mm -hmm. But when you demystify it and then you give it to everybody, that also gives you power. Mm hmm you know, there's a whole book about it that's actually called New Power. They talk about it. Mm -hmm. So what we are doing is we're using that new power and, and opening it and, and giving it to everybody so we all can grow together. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's do that. We can we can shine together. <laughs> oh, yeah, <brother>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Luis. Is there anything else you want to you want to tell us or you want to promote? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have the best damn Kratom. So if anybody is in <laughs> any, they can just go to bestdamnkratom.com. Is, you know, is that the site? <laughs> We're going to have a look at this. Bestdamnkratom.com. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming up. Are you over 21 years old? Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, this is cool. Very professional. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody this this only ship within the U the US. I will ship to Japan if you want me to. <laughs> but it just okay. costs more. Like one time I shipped right. I, I, I am not you know, okay. So my, my friend Barry Cooper, he asked me to send him some in Australia when he was kind of stuck yeah. there with the Rona. And yeah. I think it costed him like seventy five dollars to ship because right. it, it was like, you know, some whatever, but I shipped it to him and he got it. <laughs> okay that's cool I, I didn't think it would be legal in australia but <laughs> it's it's legal in most of the world i guess yeah okay 
All right, so, this is awesome. Best damn yeah. grindem.com. Yeah, yeah. Or if anybody wants any like leadership development coaching, anything like that, I'm happy to help. And Luis Fernando misses on Facebook and Instagram. Great. So, uh, oh, by the way, with the with the the kratom with the kratom, um, people can use it like if they if they have addictions, they can use it to like help help themselves get off the the addictive like opiates or something like that. Well, and yeah. Anytime that anything gets promoted to treat disease or cure it or anything, uh, if you're not a right. doctor, you go to jail, at least in okay. the States. So, so we're not ma- no, nobody's making any big claims. So but, what I'm going to say is that there's yeah. people that buy it from me that mm-hmm. use it for that. Mm-hmm. I do not claim any properties. All I'm saying is like, you know, some people decided to do it and it works for them according to them. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, they like it. And uh, for relaxation, some people use, that is, some people use it for relaxation. Some people use it for migraines. Yeah, yeah. I have people that, like, every month they order their two bottles of liquid extract. It's the strongest liquid extract on the market, also the cleanest. And, like, that's just what they use for. Like, when, like, and the way they say it is, like, when I start seeing the lights, I take the liquid kratom and it prevents mm. the migraines. Wow. I don't know what that means, but there's something that people with migraines know what the hell that means. Yeah, I know. I know what that means. There's, a, there's another name for uh, so like a, a term in French, but it's like little castles or something because there's like these jagged edges that appear in, in the vision. Uh, but yeah, oh, one thing uh, I know p- people have mentioned this to me like so, sometimes uh there are problems with cranium like it can be habit forming or something like that like is there any disclaimer about that i mean obviously anything that you misuse can hurt you you know like my yeah. former father-in-law used to drink like two coffee pots a day hmm. and then he ended up with like you know his belly burns Hmm. Like he gets, he basically, you know, cooked his own stomach with the acid of the coffee. So, yeah. I mean, you know. Anything. So you have to be careful, be mindful of your use. Don't use too much. Of course, of and, course. Yeah. Just be mindful. Yeah, fair and, enough. And, um, uh, I've, I've had people that have purchased it from me that kicked, you know, heroin addictions or kicked wow. hydrocodone addictions. Um I, I I started taking it because I got a brand recluse bite and I had no energy at all. Hmm. So, I mean, this this was six years ago. I still take it every day because of. Wait, that. what did you yeah. say? You got a brown recluse bite? Yes, sir. Te picó una culebra. Okay. <laughs> a brown recluse is a, is a snake. Okay. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not a snake. It's um, spider. Ah, okay. <laughs> right. so My mistake. Like, brown recluse, uh, like there's some of the mo- most uh, venomous ones. Like, yeah. When I told my doctor, he said, I am surprised that you, A, didn't die. Wow. Or B, didn't lose a limb because it causes necrosis. Like it burns your skin and then people lose like a foot or an arm or whatever. All right. 
similar so, to uh, the white white tails in in Australia that have that. I think people can lose limbs because of that. That's scary, no? Yeah. But what it did, like, it kind of fried part of my uh, nervous system on my left side. So I had no mm. strength to, you know, when you're driving a car, you grab it with one hand, the wheel or the other. I could not do it with my left hand. I didn't have enough strength to do that. Mm. And now I can drive from Dallas to Acapulco. No problem. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Mm. All right, so, so bestamecratom.com. That's it. Cool. Thanks, Luis. I'm so thankful for you, sir. A beautiful thought. It's interesting to hear Luis describe that feeling that I opened the episode with, that, that clip talking about how he was so certain that this was a good thing for him, that he was moving into a good position and going in a good direction in his career, that he didn't even stop to think to ask how much they would pay him as that project manager there. So interesting to imagine that kind of feeling, like everything fits, everything is is coming into place, just like Luis said with the, the Tetris block sliding right in and eliminating those four lines like it was made to be, blowing up the points board, <laughs> like everything is coming together. I wonder, is there something in your life or in my life, <laughs> something we can feel, something we can think about and feel, yes, that is absolutely right. That that fits completely. That is going well. That's that's going so well. It feels so right and feels so comfortable. <laughs> is there something like that in your life where you can conjure that feeling, evoke that feeling, and enjoy it for a moment? As I said at the top, I'm doing these cognitive behavioral sessions, these coaching sessions using cognitive behavioral techniques. So one important aspect of this is about our beliefs. It's called cognitive behavioral therapy because it is about the way we think and the way we act, cognitive and, and behavioral. A lot of the time, we're not entirely aware of the beliefs that underlie our actions. So we might do something and not even realize why we do it. We might have some emotional reaction and not think about what caused that emotion. We might think that the other people around us or the situation around us caused the emotion, but it is almost always something within ourselves that causes us to have that reaction. And when we can bring those emotions and bring those beliefs to the forefront and see what we believe, then suddenly we can open a new world. We start to explore that subconscious, bring these things out into the open, and we can begin to change them and change our beliefs, perhaps challenge them a little. Then we can begin to explore new realms and see what the life, see what life looks like from a different perspective. Close our eyes, visualize different scenarios that might be possible just a few months from now. New feelings that we might have been shut off from for a long time. All these things can happen. <laughs> we can have new experiences and be open to new experiences just by 
starting to look at our beliefs. So if you <laughs> if you are interested in that, head on over to the website, beautifulpodcast.com. You see at the top, it's got there, it's say CBT sessions. You can book a session with me and we can begin to explore those beliefs and habits and see how we can explore a new world of peace and calm and happiness through those techniques. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.